0: Welcome on back to another episode of the Boombastic Cast with myself, Machu Fisherer and my good pal Alexander the Hawk. How are you doing over there, Alexander the Hawk?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty 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 good. Doing pretty groovy. You know what I mean? Awesome. Nice little down. There's episodes a little nice so we just had a nice uh the Carl Gottlieb episode is out there, so if y'all haven't heard that yet go check that out definitely during shark week because we are we're officially in shark week i believe uh as this goes so go check out um check out a nice interview with the dude that was that 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 wrote the jaws script as well as two and three if i remember correctly and uh really do shark shark week right next year for shark week we're hoping to get eli roth on the show so if eli is listening or any of his buds are listening We want to talk to you about the brutality that happens to these poor sharks. You know, we just got a dog. It's a pit bull dog. And uh, people think they're just kind of evil and vicious dogs. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like whoever the person training and the owner is, is kind of what you're going to get, much like people. You know, people go through super tough times. They turn into serial killers, um, which we got a nice serial killer episode coming up in in the future with an author of – Serial killers and heaven victims and hell question mark. You know, the great Keith Riveri, you know what I mean? He'll be on the show in uh, probably a couple weeks to months, he will be hearing that gentleman, um, kick it down. But, um, you know, today, you know, to be or not to be, that is truly the question. Forget about the other stuff, you know, for now. Um, the to be, you know, good old free TV, you know. We got all these streaming services that have been popping up all over the place. Tubi probably seems to be the most friendly to your, your inmost independence of filmmakers, I'd say. You know what I mean? You have, I, I almost feel like you would have your, you got your Troma now. Um, and then you got your full moon streaming. I think it's called full moon streaming, um, or full moon director or something. Uh, but you got like those, but, that you got to pay for those damn motherfuckers or with to be, you get it all for free. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful thing. Now the one thing that I don't really support, I guess I can't say I don't support it because we don't have a relationship like that. But the one thing I think that kind of to be lacks, but I understand why they have to do it is, you know, the commercials and stuff and they got to pay the bills of course. But, um, you know, we were part of a few films on there, like our, the We did a couple of anthology films that found their way up there, um, and I'd like to hope that the commercials found their way in between the segments instead of smack dab in the middle. Because when you're doing a three minute, uh, five minute, quite possibly even a ten minute segment, and it, you know they drop a commercial right in the middle of it or right there in an the important part, that's uh, the kibosh. That's the old hatchet swinging down on. Yeah, in your film, I guess if you got if you've got to follow along, but uh, it could be some blood and guts, and then if it's just some blood and guts, then all is well. You know what I mean? No problem out. no problem found. But today we want to dive into you know some of the cool things out there on Tubi that uh, if you're not hip to, you should definitely be hip to because uh, it's kind of an independent spirit a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, it's helping folks get their movies seen. And, uh, yeah, we got a few things up there, and this was a Hawkman idea, so, we, so it's all credit due to the Hawk with the black and blue. How do you do over there? So, what do you think about 2B, sir? 2B well, or not 2B?
1: Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you've got streaming sites popping up all over, everyone's trying to get a bit of that streaming pie from Netflix. And, um,. It's funny because I mean I I was like always Netflix and that was the only one and then I heard about Tubi and the thing is yeah going off with what you're saying it kind of stinks the flow you're watching the movie and then all of a sudden it cuts in the commercials and and all that but they gotta pay the bills they gotta there's a reason why these these uh, uh, this streaming site is free but. Um, yeah, I it it's funny because this this streaming site has you know a lot of what one would consider you know like uh straight to DVD Walmart type films which which are great because instead of going out to Walmart and you know buying and, and taking a chance to see if you really want it, you can go here, you can watch it and then decide whether you know you want to go and actually get a physical copy yourself, mm. and I've done it a few times. Another thing is to be like Netflix, like a lot of other streaming services, have even started doing their own content, their own films, and some of them are okay, pretty cool and um, there's a lot of things that you know have come out that I don't remember hearing about or seeing, which kind of went under the radar. Which you know I find here, and uh, and of course there's a lot of stuff you have to go through that you know you end up watching it and you're like not impressed. But there's a lot of uh, stuff that you find that's actually pretty cool on this uh, on this site.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. You know what I mean? It frees for me for sure all day long. You know what I mean? So do you want to kick this off first? Do you want me to go? What do you think? Also,
1: uh, 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 the thing is, we're not going by any. Uh, we're going to do 10 things that we've seen on it that we like. Some of them we might have the same. Uh, they're not in any specific order, uh, just things that we've seen on it we, we'd like to talk about. Yeah. Um, What I'm going to start off with is actually uh, one of the 2 uh, Be originals, which is our uh, corrective measures now corrective measures the the plot of it is you have this um this is in the future where people have superpowers and uh this is about uh um you know this uh big bad that's kept in this in this um you know kind of a, a supermax kind of prison and about this new guy coming in and kind of ending up in the uh, in the midst of this kind of um, chess match between the the warden and the uh, the uh, supermax, the real baddie inside inside the prison. Now the warden is played by the one and only great Michael Rooker, and in one of his last films since he is now retired, Bruce Willis plays the villain in it. Yeah. You also have Tom Cavanaugh, who uh, those who watch the Flash TV series might know as uh, Wells from that. He's also in it. And um, it's... It's fun. It's fun. I mean, you've got... uh, Of course, we all know about Bruce Willis' problem, medical uh, uh, thing, and why he's retired. So, unfortunately, his his um performance does is a little bit um you know stilted not not as as great as as one would like but we understand that because of the problem he was dealing with at the time right. but he still works great off of michael Worker and the little cat and mouse game between them is a lot of fun and uh stanley uh it's it's a great uh a great little uh thing to watch and uh and Tom Cavanaugh, I think, is is a totally underrated actor. And and even though his part in the film is a lot smaller, I think he really steals the show. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I agree with you on that one. You know what I mean? Um, you know, first up for me, I'd like to dip into a project that you know we were a part of from a little biased the first couple ones would be a little biased you know what i mean um anthology films that's just how i'm gonna start you know there's a few on there supposedly i think one of the 60 seconds to die films that we were a part of is on there i forget which number it came in at and um you know the grind exploitation. I don't know if they have some of them on there. They probably do. If sixty seconds to die is on there, I know they have a bunch of those. And uh unless there was a trauma issue with the troll. maybe they're on trauma now. I don't know. Yeah, the grind exploitation one could be on trauma now. But um American Sasquatch is the Big Mac Daddy of them all. I think that's probably one of my favorite of the anthology films we've done, and that's on there. It's the most recent one. I think that they put out. Um, with us involved at least uh, with the anthology films. It follows, I think it's five different directors and uh, just kind of different takes on American Sasquatch. Um, it's funny because they're from directors from all over the world. I, I don't know how many are from America. I know we're from America, um, but I know that uh, the gentleman, Tony, that we deal with is a UK dude and uh, gets people from all over the earth. So, uh, I like to think that we weren't the only Americans making American Sasquatch, but you never, never know. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Anybody can make a movie about America. Oh, well,
1: I mean, I mean, uh, for you, the Sasquatch himself might be American. You, you never know. I mean, he, he could have like uh, was captured, put in a crate, and then moved uh, to across the pond to uh, our buddies in the UK. You never know. The Sasquatch himself might be American. You never know. Yeah, the American
0: Sasquatch is probably the most famous of the Sasquatches. So I, I agree with you. You know what I mean? I think you could be onto something there. Um, you could be 110% on the right track, my friend. But, uh yeah, American Sasquatch, you know. I think we close out the anthology with the last segment. Um But it's cool. I liked it. You know, very fun to do, Um, dealing with the Sasquatch deal. You know, on the anthology films, the budgets were like $5 million, you know what I mean? So we could kind of do whatever we wanted to do it. Not exactly $5 million, take like $10 million away from that. and That's what we're dealing with. And, um, you know, so it's fun. They're those fun deals. The costume done by the great Billy Coyne, you know what I mean? Wasn't a lot of money, but he did what he worked his miracles with what he had. That's kind of what he does. He's a shaman-like uh, effects artist, a miracle worker, um, the beloved Billy Coyne. Can't go into a, a fucking Dunkin' Donuts without being noticed. And that's what I love about him most, you know what I mean? And if for for that reason alone, you should go check out American Sasquatch
1: today on 2B. You know what I mean?
0: What uh, do you have yeah. up next, Alexander?
1: How? Well, next I have... Accident Man. Wow, Accident Man. I already want to watch it. Well, Accident Man is a Scott Adkins vehicle. Um, you'll notice that there's a lot of Scott Adkins action films in on Tubi. I mean, if you like Scott Adkins and you want to grab like an um, uh, hour and a half to two hour movie just to sit down and, and, and watch him kick butt and, and all that, Definitely going to be, because he has a lot of stuff on the film, and and you can actually spend probably like a month going through all of them. Uh, but I wanted to point out X man, because not only do you have Scott Atkins, you have um, Ray Park, uh, known as Snake Eyes and, and Toad from the X-Men. You've got uh, Michael J. White uh, from Spawn. You've got... uh um, Dynamite. Yeah, Ray Stevenson, I think, is his name. Uh, the guy who played Punisher in Punisher Warzone. One of my favorites. Yeah. Okay, you have all of them in here, and the the whole idea is you have this group of, you know, killers hit men for hire. Uh, Ray Stevenson is kind of like the handler, the, the head boss man. And Scott Adkins' character... Uh, you know, he kills people in a way that looks like accidents. And that's his whole modus operandi. And all the other guys and, and girls that are involved in this have different little uh, ways of of killing people with their own certain signature. Yeah. And um, the thing is, he has a ex-girlfriend that ends up getting killed off, and he finds out that one of... Uh, the guys that he works with was behind it, and of course, you know he goes and he finds out about you know this secret conspiracy and all that, and it's actually a lot of fun. It's it's a great um, action comedy. Honestly, it, it has a lot of dark humor. Something I think uh, my pal Mr. Matthew Fisher might like. Ooh, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun rock. You got a lot of great action sequences a lot of times it's just an excuse to see Scott Atkins kick ass but i mean when you're watching a Scott Atkins movie that's what you want you want to see him you know go kick some butt. Yeah,
0: i agree with that.
1: Yeah. So yeah, i definitely recommend checking it out. It's a lot of fun and uh and like i said, if you look if if you like Scott Atkins uh style, there's a lot of films on Tubi that he he's in. You should definitely check it out. I support that
0: to the fullest, Tommy.
1: me uh, Next up for me,
0: is a film that I like to say stars um, my co-host over here. You know what I mean? Um, Alexander Hawk. You know what I mean? In the film, Attack of the Unknown. Um, I think that... You know, I like this movie for many reasons. It's actually a well-put-together, cool, little, fun sci-fi movie. Um, you know, Brendan Slagle... Uh, the director, I kind of, you know, uh, you know, since the beginning of social medias, um, I remember kind of following him and his ordeal, what him doing with film, you know what I mean, with his, uh, deal. And, uh, so it was cool to kind of see this. And I think this is the first time he worked with the Mahal brothers, which are two good dudes. And, you know, it's good to see Hawkman in a bigger budgeted film. Uh, that's, that, that's not as painful as I thought it might have been to say, you know what I mean? But... <laughs> It's good to see him doing, you know, bigger things. This is the first time he got to work with uh, Lasardo, which was cool. Robert Lasardo the great. Uh, we have a nice interview with him in the archives. If you want to go back and listen, uh, Richard Greco is in this. Richard Greco is, you know, killing it. 21 Jump Street. Um, and he's also doing um, If Looks Could Kill, which is when people ask me the definitive If if you want to get into a Richard Greco film, what do you watch? I say Attack of the Unknown with Alexander Hawk. And I say If Looks Could Kill. Um, If Looks Could Kill deserves a 4K re-release. I think it's as far as those like those fun 80s, 90s teen type uh, caper, fun comedy caper movies going away. I think that's right up there with uh, everything else, you know, like the shit the Corys would do and stuff like that. I think that lines up pretty well with that. Um, you know, Jolene Anderson was really great in the film. Douglas Tate, it was good, you know, he was killing it off. He also had Tara Reed, you know, it's good to see Tara Reed in it. Uh, Alexander the Hawk acting with all these big folks. I love it. Robert Donovan was in it, Robert Donovan's good times, you know what I mean? King Jeff, Johnny Hong, these names have just been burnt into my brain, dude. Gerardo de Pablo's it's uh, Paul Gaughan, you know, these these names are forever in my mind. It's people that are uh, supreme talent and uh, makes me love Attack of the Unknown. Now, Buddy Butterfugo just slipped me a piece of paper, and he just wanted me to read this real quick. And it says, remind Alex that it, that wasn't the first Attack of movie that he was in, so he should bow down <laughs> with respect. I think yeah. he
1: knows. Yeah. Oh, good old buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, buddy directed a film, Attack of the Killer Bee. That I'm, 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 I'm assuming that is what he's talking about. Uh, that is true. That is true. That was not the first attack of film that was a, a part of, but uh, I definitely had a lot of fun of it. It was the uh, first uh, film, as you said, that uh, was with the Mahals, and. And all those people you mentioned, they're all very talented. A lot of them, you know, they've been around the business, but they've never really gotten a lot of, like, big starring roles in in films. But uh, I I thought they worked very well together, and it was great seeing them. I mean, they are very talented people that uh, definitely deserve, you know, the recognition. I mean, right now, Attack of the Unknown just got picked up and put on the Paramount Plus. Nice. So I was psyched about that. And uh I mean the thing is Attack of the Unknown if you like you know be cheesy like sci-fi films, you know, it's here's the thing, it's it's a good mashup. It's it's a, a SWAT team transporting a a a uh cartel member to a prison, and then all of a sudden, aliens show up to destroy the city. And, uh, so you got the, at first, in the beginning, you think it's just a SWAT team, kind of like taking out the bad guys, kind of film, and then all of a sudden, you got aliens coming in, you know, heightening the, uh, the, uh, all the stuff that's going on. And it's, it's a lot of fun, and, um, as, as Matt said, that, uh, uh, compared to other films like that, I definitely give it a lot more credit. I've I've seen on what on Tubi and other uh, other sites where you have uh, films that are with aliens or other kind of creatures, and they use CGI and they come off as fake. But in this, they actually use practical effects. They had yeah, they are people in rubber suits as the Aliens, but as far as I'm concerned, they look more legit than a lot of the other, quote-unquote, you know, Aliens in these big budget films. So, I definitely say give it a watch. It's a lot of fun and uh, uh, definitely uh, worth your time checking it out. Yeah, for
0: shizzle, you know what I mean. And uh, Catch it on, if it just went to Paramount+, Plus, then you might want to catch it on Tubi quick because it might be leaving Tubi. If that's the
1: case. Yeah. I,
0: you re, you recently just came back from a Hall Brother project, right? I don't think we ever really tapped into that.
1: Yeah. I just came back from a film we did called Devil's Night. Uh, that was shot actually in Texas. And it's a medieval fantasy film. I know that uh, you're like, what, a medieval fantasy film in Texas? Don't you have to, like, go to England for that? But um, there's actually a castle in Texas. It's called Newman's Castle. Uh, We actually shot there. It was a lot of fun. I was there for two weeks. And uh, I got a nice, uh, nice, uh, uh, some very nice cool scenes in it. I'm not going to give too much away. You have to watch a movie for it. But uh, definitely, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, the Mahals, uh, they, they know what they're doing. And, um, that's why I keep on going back.
0: Well, that's what I like to hear. So, what's your next flick?
1: Uh, let's see. Go back. Okay. Wormwood Apocalypse. Oh, my. All right. Now, um, I think this is, uh, I think, uh, it's a sequel to, um, I think, uh, the first one is just Wormwood. Um. Okay. But, uh. I ended up stumbling across this M2B. B. It is a zombie film uh based in Australia, okay? Uh and it's it's interesting. You got these zombies that also they kind of um you know, like breathe out this gas where you know, people can capture them and they uh, kind of plug them into their cars uh wow. to, you know, kind of be like a, a um A Gas Substitute, which I thought was kind of interesting. And another thing I liked about was the fact is you... Of course, when you're you're doing films like this, a lot of people like to try uh, the idea of having someone who's like part zombie, part human. You know, there's there's a hybrid uh, quality to it, which they have in here. But what's cool about the hybrid in this zombie apocalypse film is the fact that she can actually control the other zombies. She can control them to hold guns, to attack people who run in as suicide bombers. And I have to admit, I haven't seen a lot of zombie movies where they played with that idea, which I thought was a good idea. It has a lot of gore, has a lot of uh, great action sequences. And and it's it's definitely a, a definitely a cool cool film. I definitely recommend checking it out.
0: I definitely support that. But, um, would that mean I'm up next? Are you there with me? What what was that? That would mean I'm up next, then, my friend. Well, yeah. Yes, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. You passing the crown to me is <laughs>
1: okay. a, very, a very honorable deed.
0: Uh, next up, I want, like I did anthologies in the previous, I wanted to just tap into documentaries uh, because there's a couple documentaries on there that I'm a part of that are pretty fun watches. Um, we got, you know, the VHS Lives 1 and 2 are both up there. For anybody that likes to, you know, get down with, um, you know, VHS culture and stuff like that, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those deals, you know. So if, if, you know, they're lengthy, you know, so you might have to take them in increments. Or if you can do the whole marathon, do them, I think they're like two hours. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a little bit of, um, you know, a gigantic, you know, selection of people all over the world that get down with VHS and the culture of it and collecting them and loving them and cherishing them and trying to keep them around as much as possible. Sounds like family members, you know what I mean? But they are just certain folks, you know what I mean? So uh, that's what those documentaries are. So I guess if you love VHS um, and or are curious of the culture of people that love VHS... VHS Lives 1 and 2 is definitely uh worth checking out. Uh, oh, The Horror is another one in there that I'm a part of. And uh it explores our fascination with horror and all things macabre as they dissect some of the best cult horror films ever made in the bone-chilling way that only filmmakers and fans can do. Uh Artists alike, I think, are on there. Again, another array of different artists up there talking about why they like horror films and such and the culture of all that. Um, so again, if that stuff interests you or is you, then pop in and check it out. And then VHS Nasty um, was the last one in there that I'm a part of. Um, and that's a fun one. That goes with, uh, you know, Tony Newin, the kind of the dude behind all of them. Uh, he's from the UK. And in the UK, it was very big. With, um, the video nasty, uh, situation was, uh, where certain films that we all know and love today and can go to Walmart and buy Evil Dead. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, uh, that was, you know, in the UK, they made it a a legal issue where people, you people going to jail, getting arrested, getting their shop shut down for just selling or renting, um, VHS. You know what I mean? Uh, like, they were snuff films, you know what I mean? You got famous stories of the Diodato there doing, uh, I was tap dancing, doing uh, Cannibal Holocaust, and, like, it looking so real that he had to go to court and prove that it was a movie, you know what I mean? And, yeah, so it's all that whole deal, like, stuff like that, and then the, you know, the owner. So that just kind of taps into the whole... Nasty element, uh, and the VHS is in there, of course, too. Um, but yeah, all those talks are fun. If you're interested in, I guess, the, the low budget filmmaking world, uh, those filmmakers, their influences, um, artists of that, you know, of that kind of world, um, you want to kind of get an inside scoop of those people and the things they love, I think. Those documentaries, uh, I'll probably, you'll probably get a good watch out of them. But they are long. I will give you that. Um, but yeah, break it down. You know, some of them got some really, I think Lloyd Kaufman's in one or two of them. Um, Phil from Pantera's in a couple of them. Um, you know, they get a good amount of cool folks in them. And, uh, your boy's in there. Maddie Fish is up in that mother trucker. So that's why I got them in there. What do you got up next, bub?
1: All right. Next, I got is The Devil's Tomb. Oh my, that's a scary place. Yeah. Um, this is uh, actually, I think 2009 is when this came out. Um, it must have been really under the radar. I didn't even know of it until I stumbled across it on Tubi. In uh, yeah. there, you got uh, Cuba Gooding uh, Jr., uh, you got Ray Winston, you got Ron Perlman. Um, you got a lot of uh, notable uh, actors in it, and uh, it's it's uh, pretty much a story of these uh, mercenaries that are sent down under the the belief that they are to retrieve a scientist who got um, stuck in this underground like bunker or something like that, and they get down there, and then they soon find out that. Uh, they have stumbled across a war between the angels and the demons kind of uh, thing. And uh, the angels are actually, you know, they look like aliens. So the uh, aliens are angels, and um, the demons want to, you know, uh, break free. And uh, the whole idea is that they're not really down there to rescue this scientist, Actually, to bring this woman down who's the scientist's uh, daughter to actually destroy it and make sure that the evil does not leave the bunker and infect the world. Um, has a lot of great um you know gore scenes, I mean practical effects. Um I don't think there was much CGI if it was used in that. No. And um and and it's, it's it's for like a straight to DVD movie it, it's well acted, it's well put together and a lot of uh interesting and fun and deals with some heavy issues and uh, I thought it was really like I say, it was one of those things that was very pleasantly surprised because when i it popped up in things that I might want to check out, and I knew nothing about it. And I, I turned it on and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Um and that's the thing, because a film goes to like straight to Walmart and all that, doesn't mean that it doesn't ha- it doesn't have good things about it. It's really it's really good. It's a lot of fun.
0: Or straight to Tubi
1: apparently. Yeah, straight to Tubi. But yeah, I mean I definitely check it, uh, recommend checking it out. And uh, especially if you like uh, a good uh, good, fun horror film that uh, has enough uh, blood and guts to keep you entertained, it's definitely a film to check out.
0: Word up. I definitely support that.
1: Heck okay. yeah. Um,
0: next up, um, I wanted to put up Thief. You know, James Caan just passed away recently. And uh, Thief is a film that I really liked a lot. It's an older film. Uh, when I think of James Caan, you know, you think of, of course, Godfather and such. But, um, I, you know, Thief's big. Um, I didn't see it till a little later in my existence. Uh, it's a 1981 film, of course. Um, Criterion, this is a film that Criterion kind of brought to my plate, which, you know, I'm a big fan of Criterion. Um, it's a nice crime movie, you know what I mean? A real cool crime movie. Um Tangerine Dream does the soundtrack for it, which is fantastic. If anybody gets down with Tangerine Dream, uh there are a group out there that was, you know, they made albums as well as did soundtracks and you know, very uh very cool stuff. You know. Michael Mann directed it, you know what I mean? You know, Manhunter and he'd come on and be Gigantor. Um But yeah, this film Thief Thief's one of those crime movies that you know, when you think of, when people talk about 80s crime movies and stuff, you they don't really talk about Thief as much as they should. They probably will now that James Caan passed away. they um, will probably have a resurfacing, hopefully. Uh, I'd rather have a resurfacing than not have a resurfacing. Um, but I definitely, like, if you've never seen it, uh, and you're looking for something to watch and you like crime movies, definitely uh, check it out, you know what I mean? Um He's a big heist dude, and uh, he wants to try and do one big deal before going going straight. Um, you know, very blow like with you know a lot of a lot of those dudes in the life. Uh, they got that one deal where they go, "I'm just going to do one more, and then I'm out." You know what I mean? But they could be called back. Uh, but, I'm, but James can, cannot be called back, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, but this movie has left us to watch. Have you ever seen Thief? Alex?
1: No, no. Um, I must, I I miss that one. I mean, James Caan definitely was a great actor. He will definitely be missed. Um, I, I know that, uh, a lot of people will, uh, say, uh, you know, um, probably his best uh, role was in Godfather. Um, uh, yeah. but, uh, I have to say my favorite will always be uh Misery. Well he's got a lot of classics, you know what I mean? Yeah. Misery is great. And, too. and also, I mean he was in the T V series Las Vegas and, and that was uh that was a fun series that I loved to watch. I mean he left uh before the last season and was replaced with Tom Selleck. I mean I like Tom Selleck but uh James Hahn fit in that T V series a lot better than Tom Selleck did. Well, all respect to Tom Selleck, but they're two different calibers of acting, you know what I mean?
0: And I'm on, you know, I'm on shitting on Tom Selleck. I love Tom Selleck and
1: all that he's done. Well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I, (laughs) the best, the best, the best way I could say it is when, with uh, uh, James uh, Conn in, in Las Vegas, okay, it's kind of like Frank Sinatra, you know, kind of like, you know, it fits, but uh, you you you're putting um uh Tom Selleck in there is like putting in John Wayne. Okay? John Wayne doesn't fit in in a a Las Vegas movie, which I mean and the thing is not saying that Tom Selleck has done other things, but you know, he, he's always more of like, you know, the western type of, of actor, character actor. And uh, it just didn't didn't fit. So I just didn't think it, it, he really fit in 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 that mode. I thought he did a decent enough job with what he was given, and uh, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, but I just didn't think that he really fit well in the TV series Las Vegas. Um, but James Cohn, he was perfect. I loved him in that series. Yeah, no, I'm with you.
0: I'm more of a James Conn cinematic fan than his TV. You know what I mean? I never really got too much into his TV. I know that he he was big there. His son, Scott Conn, I think. Um, He's big in TV now, too, which is good. He's a talented, fun dude, too. You know, the same way that, like... James Khan had that cool vibe to him. You know what I mean? He was one of those actors. His son, dude, has that. It's different, but his son has that super cool vibe to him where you just kind of want to, you'd want to hang out with him. You know what I mean? Which is, a, I think for an actor to be able to put that off is a good shine for him because it, 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 then it makes people attracted to kind of his presence and want to see him more, hence see him in more things. You know, I think it's, a, I think it's almost like a, uh, I think father and son had a talk about that shine because they both kind of had it. And he passed them off. But uh, sometimes you're just born with the shine, perhaps. When you came out, you had shine all over you, and they tried to wash that shine off, and they couldn't wash it off. So now you walk with shine, boy. Wherever okay. you go, you shine like a diamond.
1: Now, what was your next flick? Well, the next one I got is it's actually a, a 3 Now, um, I don't know if you ever uh, saw it, but there was a made-for-TV movie uh, called uh, The Librarian Quest for the Spear. No, I didn't Uh, catch that one. uh, Well, anyway, um, that starred Noah Wiley, uh, best known uh, from ER. Uh, He was in it. You got by far one of my favorite actors, um, Bob Newhart. And also uh one of my favorite actresses and comedians, uh Jane Curtin and um pretty much the whole idea is you have Noah Wiley, who's the kind of guy who's been in college for a lot longer than he should have been, and you know kind of scared of going out in the real world, but he loves learning, he loves books, and he ends up getting a job as the librarian, which is. Kind of like a um, pseudo Indiana Jones type, where it's more intellectual, and while it still has the adventure aspect, you know, he's he's not the uh, the uh, ass kicker. He's he's the one who outthinks uh, the villain a lot, yeah. and usually he has a female sidekick that uh, does most of the actual action parts. Mm-hmm. Um, there was The Quest for the Spear. There was another one, Return to uh, King Solomon's Mines. And the third was uh, Curse of the Judas Chals. And Noah Wiley was in all three of them with Bob Newhart and uh, Jane Curtin. Um, the chemistry uh, in these um, uh, films were great between the three of them. And actually they made a TV series based on this idea um, I don't know, maybe about five, or six years ago, I forget, maybe longer. Yeah. Uh, no, Wiley only showed up as like the in the pilot and a few other episodes, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor, kind of like if if you like Jane Curtin kind of humor and also Bob Newhart, that was kind of the humor that was used in it, and it was fun. It was a nice little throwback to uh, a kind of um more
0: classy time i guess yeah well i'm with you on that home dizzle heck
1: yeah
0: um next up for me i have uh i have the united states of insanity a little documentary out there for folks um it's um an insane clown posse juggalo uh documentary out there for anybody that gets down with that type deal i know we have a juggalo show on the network now the wicked juggalo pod trash and they recently had uh one of the directors of the show of the documentary tom putnam um on the show and uh we got to hear all about you know the making of and such and that culture and Um, yeah, the documentary is really good, you know what I mean, I thought it was fun, you know, the whole deal is, like, the FBI, um, they made Juggalo, put him on a gang list, and, um, so, like, it it, it, doesn't, you know, when you hear that, you go, oh, that's kind of stupid, you know what I mean, and you know not really think of the harmful effects that it has, kinda. So, like, what it does, you know, people that were, you know, with tattoos or whatever. And I know there's a lot of people that have different opinions of juggalos. There's certain people that love them and there's certain people that think that they should, uh, be holocausted away or something. You know what I mean? It's kind of a tragic tale. But, um, you know, what the FBI did is they kind of, you know, they made it, uh, you rock and juggalo stuff, clothing, tattoos, you know, emblems around your neck stickers in your ride all that type of deal it made uh made it like almost illegal and if you were like you get arrested for shit and labeled a gang member which was big they take people's kids away lose jobs um you know just really kind of crazy stuff you know you go into prison and you're kind of labeled a gang member you know other gang members are going to want to fucking squash out your gang that's how it goes so you know, it's kind of a wild thing. Like, I remember hearing a story once, you know, it, it slightly veers away, but it's kind of along the same deal with the Sons of Anarchy vest. I remember hearing a story of a dude rocking one, which I wouldn't. I'd only rock the Warriors vest if I had to wear any fictional gang uh, memorabilia from, like, a film or TV show. But there was a dude at a gas station rocking, like, a Sons of Anarchy vest and a real biker came up to him and was like you need to take that off now either if he was fucking with him or being for real the dude took that vest off because he didn't want to figure out the hard way but like that type deal like you're you're you know juggalos aren't there's bad guys in there in every big group you know what i mean that's just kind of how it is but yeah it just found them in unfortunate circumstances and uh They did a big fight to try and get off of the gang list. Um, they went to Washington and did a March and stuff too. Uh, it was kind of a real, it was kind of a real funky deal. Um, super interesting. If anybody, you know, leans in that direction, juggalos that any juggalos listening knows the deal on it. So go listen to the interview if, uh, and and no further, but I watched the doc. I thought it was really good. Um, even if you're just an outsider looking at it and you go, wow, it's just kind of a band. It's kind of like that weird, you know, rock and roll uh stuff back in the, in like the day back with, you know, all those bands that our parents listened to in, in high school that we love as well. But like they're you know, Ozzy Osbourne. And I think Judas Priest or Iron Maiden had to go on trial for like kid who killed himself. Like there was a bunch, you know, there was a time when they were really trying to crack down on rock and roll and bust heads and make examples of people and stuff. And it's like, it's kind of looking at it from that aspect, it's an interesting take where it's like, well, it's really just a power thing. You know what I mean? It's like they're kind of, maybe they're testing the waters with the world's most hated band, you know, because who's really going to care about them getting fucked with type deal. So it's interesting. And, you know, the more, the more like you, you dive into it, you know, you find out stuff about like how realistically like little small towns, if if you have like a bunch of juggalos in your town, and even though they're just kids that hang at the mall or whatever, if you call them a gang, your town gets more like money and like funds for gang unit type stuff. You know what I mean? So there's, there's, there's like that deal to it too. So it's kind of an interesting thing and it's unfortunate because, you know, the fans of the world's most hated band, unfortunately becomes the world's most hated fan. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, definitely check it out if any of that interests you. What'd you have up on your list next?
1: Oh, let's see. I got, um, Blackwater. You should throw that out, dude. I don't know if i drink that.
0: <laughs> some molding. Just some in there or something.
1: Uh, Blackwater. Uh, one of the things that you do find on um, on Tubi is that they have a lot of you know shark uh, shark movies, a lot of crocodile movies, a lot of alligator movies. You know where you know the big animal movies where they go and they 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 prey on a small group of people. Yeah. Now, Blackwater is actually supposedly based on a true story. It's about um uh uh like let's see four people that ended up um, going on a little uh, trip in Australia, uh, and uh, they end up getting capsized and get uh, trapped by a uh, crocodile. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I put this on the list and why I really liked it is, first of all, that for the most part, they didn't use CGI. Okay? Yeah. They actually had a real crocodile in and they used a lot of cool camera shots so that, you know, it really looked like they were actually being attacked by a crocodile. Nice. Uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, problems that you end up finding with a lot of these um, shark movies or crocodile movies is they're, they're, they're done on the cheap. So the CGI is extremely cheap looking. Yeah, I mean it's still fun. It's still you know you kind of get you know oh yeah the crocodiles you know taking out these people it's, it's it's all cool and fun but you know there's no sense of any actual horror or you know suspense because you know you can tell right off the bat that's it's, that it's fake right
0: um
1: but with this one uh it. They did a good... Because the fact was they didn't show a lot of the crocodile. They brought him out at certain points, and there's one, like, kind of final end scene where they had the real crocodile and the real actress at the end. And it was a very tense scene. Yeah. And um, it also uh, is is also very emotional because they really pull out the fact that... Uh, you. This, this uh, woman who ends up being uh, uh, one of the last survivors trying to keep her friend alive and trying to find a way out. And it's a lot of cool shots and really ups the tension. So if you like a crocodile-type film, okay, but you actually want to feel like this is real, like you could actually feel like this crocodile will actually you know do damage, you watch this film because it actually feels legit instead of like, you know, like classid 25. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I definitely recommend uh Blackwater. Well then maybe uh
0: you slap a nice fancy sticker on that and everybody can get down with it. <laughs> Next up for me, uh, 68 kill a film that I actually own, uh, but when I no- noticed it when it was on uh the Tubi, I was pleasantly surprised for the world because it's quite a nice independent masterpiece. Uh Trent Hagar of you know you know, he did a lot of work with Troma. Uh he was Killjoy in the Killjoy uh films. He's kind of like a fan the kind of he's doing, you know, every now and then we talk about folks that kind of get to do the dream fans that of get to do the dream. And he kind of worked his way up through trauma. Then he got to work with full moon, all these things that as a kid, you would go, that'd be dope to do. I'd be down with that. You know what I mean? Uh And then, you know, I believe, you know, he also did a movie before this. I, 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 I don't want to get too crazy on it. Um, I'm not quite sure if this is his directorial debut. I'm going to pop real quick. I know he did some writing. He wrote Dead Girl. That was the first thing I remember, like, kind of popping up on, um, on my radar for him, which I don't know if anybody else has ever seen Dead Girl, but that's a kind, that's a cool flick, um, out there. That's, uh, definitely fun. It's like a new age kind of new take on, um, zombie, like a zombie. It's very kind of realistic of what would happen if a group of teenagers found a zombie nowadays. You know what I mean? But yeah, he was in a lot of the, he was in like Citizen Talk to you, Terror Firm, or he was that era. And then he jumped uh, over into, you know, the, over into uh, full moon territory for a while. You know what I mean? And then just kind of built up a deal. So much respect to him for that, for sure. You know what I mean? Uh, he also directed a film called Chop which was very cool. Uh, I don't think that's on there, but uh, another film that I've seen uh, that I own, I actually own this film. uh, Very cool. It's got uh, another Troma alumni, Will Keenan in it. And uh, it's really super cool indie film. Like they, um, I think everybody knows when you watch an indie film or a lower budget film and you can get the sense that there's really true talent behind the camera. You know what I mean? Uh, Trent Hagar has it. Um, you know, the dude who did, you know, like watching, um, Monster Party, Murder Party, the dude that later went on to what, do Green Room and Blue Ruin and stuff. He did a small indie film called, uh, Murder Party which when you watch Murder Party, you go, this was made for a little money, but I can tell the person making this film has what it takes with the right money to do great things, you know what I mean? And uh Trent Hagar is one of those people for me, you know what I mean, I think. And he proved it with 68 Kill, man, because it's fucking really good. It's like a dark comedy heist movie, uh, like an R-rated one. It's pretty extreme, Uh very cool Um yeah, very super cool. Trent Hagar is really cool. 68 Kill is cool. 68 Kill could possibly be one of the best indie films on Tubi right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I was, someone was to say, what indie film should I go watch on Tubi right now, I'd probably say 68 Kill, even over American Sasquatch. That's how good it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. Uh, what'd you have up next?
1: Um, Let's see. Uh, Next is Vogue. Now, this is, again, another crocodile film, and also shot in Australia. I mean, honestly, I believe that if you're going to get, like, a good crocodile film, you got to do it in Australia, because they know what they're doing down there.
0: Of course. But, um... You're all about them crocodile alligator stuff today.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Rogue is another good one. This one is you have a group of people on a tour... That gets uh, hit by a uh, 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 knocked over by a crocodile and stranded on a little sand bi- uh, sandbox that ends up being you know flooded as as time goes on and they have to get off it and try to escape uh, away from this rogue crocodile. Now this one definitely did use CGI mm-hmm. for the crocodile, but it was obvious that they had enough money to actually take the time to make the crocodile look impressive. And they also you don't see the crocodile fully until at the like near the end of the movie. So a lot of it is kinda of like using the JAWS technique where you don't see much of it. You only see like a tail or a little splashing and then someone goes under. Right. Which I think is a very important way of doing it. And and I always am a believer of less is more. The less you see, the better it is. And they really did a a good job with that. They also took the time that when they had the CGI crocodile, they actually spent the time to make it actually move like a crocodile and make it feel like an actually flesh and blood creature. I mean, you could still tell that it was CGI, but it was definitely a a lot better than most of the other Alligator Crocodile movies that I've seen. And uh, and it has a good group of uh, actors uh, that you know, we might not know or know a lot of them because they're probably all known in Australia. But uh, they all work well together and they actually helped up the tension. So I definitely recommend checking out Rogue if you can. Did you ever see the OG alligator movies like Alligator? Or, or Alligator well, I've, 2 I've, the seen, At least I've seen Alligator. I've seen the original like Placid. You see Gator? Have you seen Gator? I don't
0: think I've seen Gator. I know me and uh, the great Sam Hayes, star of the film Groundhog, went to go see Alligator um, at Coolidge Corner Cinema, Midnight's Ship Greening. You know, got the great Robert Forrester in it. Uh, you should definitely check out Alligator if you've never seen it. It might even have been re-released recently.
1: Um, Actually, I think that it might be on Tubi because I think I saw. I know that I saw like uh, Alligator. Um, could, you got to look for the fine on Tubi. There's a lot of things where it's like Alligator, and then it says
0: shoes or something at, in the bottom <laughs> left-hand corner of the logo. Where like
1: Amneville Waffle House, you know what I mean? Hey, hey, don't you dare shit on my Emmett Veal, uh Waffle House. That's a classic. If somebody does animal Waffle and House. If the waffles come alive and start covering you with syrup and then eating you, I mean, come on, that's a classic. That,
0: we own, we're own. we going to make that. That's, a, that's an official Boombastic Cast exclusive. We're going we're gonna to do the first ever Boombastic Cast short segment feature for y'all, and we're going to do... Amityville Waffle House coming to y'all folks. And yeah, the waffles eat people. I like that. You know how you kill them at the end? Oh. You gotta toast them. You gotta burn the whole building. It's very Tarantula style. Where they get them uh, Return of the Living Dead 2 style too. You get them all in a building and you zap them. You know what I mean? Turn up the heat. Turn up the heat on them. But alligator, you gotta check out alligator if you've never seen it, man. Alligator is a good watch. It's actually pretty scary. They go the way the effects are really nice in it too. We seen a nice, really grainy thirty-five millimeter print, uh, and it was fantastic. Uh, shout out Sam Hayes who does listen to the show from time to time, and uh, he's no longer an MA, um, but he's not MIA. I do know where is according to where he's located, so his coordinates are safe with me. All right, next up. Uh, Am I next, my friend? Yep, yeah, next. Okay, next up for me on there, a must-watch for the Tubi World. um, is a movie, it's not an independent film, but it is a movie that I think went over, or under, rather, people's radars that nobody knows about, or maybe they watched it once when they were younger and never kind of looked back. Uh, And that film is Little Giants. Okay? Now, this is the Rick Moranis... Uh, Ed O'Neill vehicle. Are you familiar with Little Giants, my friend? Oh yeah, I remember that. That
1: <laughs> God
0: had a, man And all the little outcasty kids of its time in there. Um, you know, it's two brothers. Uh, uh Moranis and, and and Al Bundy are brothers, and the older brother, Al Bundy's character, Ed O'Neill. It's kind of like uh, he was a football star, and he came back, and the brothers, you know, Moranis is Moranis and everything for the most part. He plays out great, but for the most part, he can't get away from who he is, I feel, the look. The look. Um, but so he kind of becomes, because his brother says you, can, you never really had it to do much with yourself, he becomes the coach of his son's football team, and he coaches all kind of like the underdogs in the town and they go up against the super athletes if you will. Um very fun film. You know, there's certain films from childhood that I consider like uh like like comfort food almost that I put them on. I know Little Giants is one of those films I used to always like to fall asleep to it. Um Big Bully is also a film, another Rick Moranis vehicle that I like to put in that category too. Maybe it's something about Rick Moranis. Maybe us seeing Rick, Rick Moranis so much as kids is put made him like Maybe when everybody dies, Rick Moranis comes to greet everybody. Death takes the, takes the, the shape and the face of Rick Moranis and everybody feels okay. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, Big Brother, which could possibly, a big bully rather, which could possibly be, um, on Tubi. Uh, that's also another one I put in the same category. That's got the great Tom Arnold in the peak of cocaine mania. Um, and that's just wild in itself. You know what I mean? Uh, Tom Arnold, great dude, love to have him on the show. It'd be a lot of fun, love Roseanne, True Lies, a lot of fun stuff. Best part about nine months. Nine months with Hugh Grant is one of the worst films I feel. Um, but there's, uh, Tom Arnold really tries to save that movie. And if Tom Arnold wasn't in that movie, it'd probably be very uh, traumatic for me. It was one of those films I had to watch because my mom would rent, uh, films as well when, when, you know, she would get say, uh and that was kind of her vibe a little bit sometimes so we had to watch it and tom arnold saved that movie for me if we ever have him on the show i'll let him know how he saved that movie for me but little giants if you've never seen or you haven't seen in a long time pay to visit uh, Al Bundy, Ed O'Neill, Jesus, another dude who's been burnt into our brains forever. You know what I mean? Uh, Al, and he's, Ed's a super talent dude. He's in a whole bunch of stuff outside of married with children. And he's a dude that can play serious intent, like very in intensity really well. And he can play comedy awesome. And I love his comedy style of like the too good for everybody type vibe. You know what I mean? Um, Al Bundy even almost had like a too good for any, anybody type vibe. Even though we he thought he, he thought he was garbage, you know what I mean, uh, and hated life and such. But definitely, little giants, man! If you don't, if you don't fucking know about it, go watch it for sure, and uh, it'll make you'll make things better for you. And if you don't, good old Sam Horrigan Spike is gonna come crashing down on your ass and lay you out. What do you got next? Uh,
1: next, I, I got get- a film that I know that. Um... You were not a big fan of. Oh, my. But, I mean, I enjoy it. I don't think it's the best thing ever, but I don't think it's it's that bad. But, um, okay. Well, it's a bone tomahawk. Yeah,
0: I thought it was, um, I know this is kind of almost sacrilegious to say with horror people around, um, kind of the gore audience and the upper, higher brow horror because there's that split and they both kind of like bone tomahawk i thought it i you know i i thought it was a little by the time i seen it let's just say by the time i seen it it was praised up to be really good and it wasn't really bad but i was middle of the road i guess i think the hype might have gotten in for me um by the hype of it i thought it was going to be something that it ended up not being and it was more of a slower burn type vibe, which I guess I can't hate on it for that. I just felt like I I went into it in the wrong mind state, which is just as bad as any other negative way of going into a film, being in a bad mood, not thinking, doing multiple things. You know, I think uh, going into it, expecting something, uh, I guess you can sometimes that works out for you. But in the situation of that, uh, it didn't work out for me. You know what I mean? But uh, much respect, much respect.
1: Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought the girl was good, and I thought it was a pretty good uh, story with uh, you know uh, the right actors in the right role. I I enjoyed it. I do understand what you talk about. I do think it was overpraised at the time when it came out. Um, I do enjoy the director, and uh, and I think he did a great job with it. But I do I. I don't think it's as, as great as everyone made it out to be. I thought it was good, and I enjoyed it, but I don't think it was, like, the last coming or anything like that. It's
0: uh, the second coming. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, Kurt Russell hardly ever misses, and he didn't, mean, he was great in this. Um, and the director, uh, S. Craig Zailer or something like that. That dude's, you know, killing it right now. He's probably the future. He'll be the person making Hollywood films in a couple of years. It's going all to the theaters and such. You know, he was behind that brawl in Subblock 99, which was a big deal. uh, Dragged across concrete. Uh You know, he was a part of uh some big deals. So, uh yeah, much respect. You know what I mean? So next up for me. Well, the next up for me, I want to jump back into childhood a little bit, because I do like to do that from time to time. Uh, there was a film that we talked about in the last episode that was on Tubi that, you know, needs to be coming into your world It has never been there before. And that's some Pippi Longstocking shit, my friend. You know what I mean? Um, Pippi Longstocking uh, is coming into your world. And it's going to change your world. If you've never seen it, you're kind of in for a treat a little bit. Um, you might want to smoke some crack cocaine or something to bring you back to the age of six or seven when it came out. I don't know how you want to figure that one out. But um as a child, I loved this movie, Up and Down. Uh, we were talking about her walking up the ceilings in the building last time around. Um you know, as a kid, I, I haven't really watched it in a while, but I noticed it was there and, you know, it shined above other things I've seen enough to make the list, even though I haven't watched it recently. But yeah, there's moments like, um, up, walking up and down the building, scrubbing the floor and the orphanage, um, the horse, um, there's like a part on a pirate ship at the end. It's just kind of, It's kind of child movie madness, which I can appreciate, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Glorious. Glorious. Pippi Longstocking, you know, she was Punk Rock Girl before Punk Rock Girl was there, you know what I mean? That's what it is. Have you seen Pippi Longstocking?
1: Uh, I think I did when it first came out, or near when it first came out. Um, but I haven't seen it since. I mean, I remember. You know how sometimes you watch a movie and someone brings it up and yeah. you can vaguely make out like scenes or like the character, or the actress. That's about yeah. where I am with Pippi Longstocking. I know. I know that when you, huh? Well, I mean, the thing is, I, 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 I remember what I think is bits and pieces from the movie, but I haven't seen it in so long that I can't. 100% be sure it's from the movie or a fever dream. So, fever dream, you're thinking of Pippi Longstocking in your dreams.
0: I hear <laughs> you. Know? Um, she, yeah, she was like smoking for her time. Like, I remember being having a crush on Pippi Longstocking, and she was a free spirit. You know what I mean? Like, she really was. Like, Pippi Longstocking and Punky Brewster combined was the beginning of punk rock chick, I think. I think that was laying, that was big. That was a big, you know, that was a little bit before it. But for our time, that was definitely those free spirited girls that I think the most prominent free spirited girls of them all in the come up. Um, now, I know when Alexander Hawk goes to Punta Cana, they they call him Poppy Long Cocking, right? <laughs> now, hey, Poppy. Um, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, so what do you have up next for your film that everybody should, uh, get down with on the tube zone?
1: Well, you know, um, I'm going to be, uh, um, actually pursuing a film that, uh, was, uh, directed by the same director of Attack of the Unknown. Oh, my. It's called Crossbreed, This is War. Very cool. Uh, Brandon Slagle, um, Right now, he is killing it. He has, like, three movies he just did. He did a movie in, like, Thailand called Flood. Um, so, yeah, he's really um, just doing it big, doing a lot of films. Uh, this one stars uh, Vivica A. Fox and um, Danny Baldwin. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And and I think that uh, Brendan Stiegel has... A lot of uh, uh, talent when it comes to like sci-fi movies and movies with uh, you know like the the um, I would like to say the Suicide Squad trope of characters, you know, where you have a group of misfits or people that usually don't or should not get along or really work together, but they're put together in in a fighting force, whether they're mercenaries or whether they're you know, just criminals that happen to be locked up together. And it's a lot of fun. It's uh it's good sci-fi, cheesy, fun action. I dig that. I dig that for sure, my friend. Uh, next up for me,
0: for Matthew. Okay, next up for Matthew is, you know, I can never really tell how old the audience is. You know, we deal dealing with... You know, 60-plus, we're dealing with some 30-year-olds. We're dealing with some 18-year-olds. We're dealing with 10-year-olds. This day and age, you'd be dealing with 7-year-olds, for all you know, the way technology is. So, like, I don't really know who's seen what and such. So that's kind of why I was jumping around a little bit. Um, but on my list up was the 1988 film, Heathers. Okay. Yeah. Um, starring Winona Ryder and Christian Slater, Shannon Daugherty's in there. Uh, so this is probably one of my favorite dark comedies of all time, you know what I mean? It's you know, it's about a, two high school kids, um, that are kind of like outcasted and they have a romance together. And I don't want to give away too much, um, because you know, it's just. You know, there's a lot of, uh, not a lot, but there's some twists in there. It's just a real fun deal. It's kind of like a, it's almost a dark Columbine-ish type movie. And right there saying too much already, but I'm going to let everybody go there. Like making a dark comedy almost of that, but like that mentality, not exactly that action. You know what I mean? Um, And yeah, this was a real cool flick.
1: You know, uh, have you seen Heather's? Oh I have, but uh, it's it's been a while. It's been uh a while I don't I remember bits and pieces of it, uh but not uh, not a lot of it. I do remember that uh, I had a huge crush on Winona Ryder. Uh and uh and also Christian Slater was like the coolest everyone wanted to be Christian Slater when they were um <laughs> when they were my age, I had a huge crush on Christian Slater at that age. Oh no 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 no! We wanted to be Christian Slater. Yeah, and we wanted to date Winona Ryder. Christian That's how Slater. it was back in the eighties, dude. No beef with
0: Winona, but she never really did it for me, and I got no beef. I'm sure she was very beautiful in certain people's eyes and stuff. And even before the you know Robin Robin stores, even before that deal, um, Christian Slater is a dude that. You know, I'm a straight man, but I can admit that that dude's gorgeous. Or back in his day, that dude was fucking gorgeous. You know what I mean? And we all wanted to be, like, I would love to have been Christian Slater's friend. Like, when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be fucking hanging out with this dude. This dude's the shit. He was just, he played all the coolest roles in the films. He came off very cool. Um, You know, he was just kind of, he's one of those, one of those, one of those, like, it people of uh that era <clears throat> a little later than the Corries but uh, you know uh very you know he was around as a young and more i think he you know definitely more respect in the Corries but not too i guess that little period in time of the difference between them where uh or I don't know maybe he just handled things a lot better you know, the, the climb to, uh, the climb and the fall of stuff like that is very weird. Um, you know, happy birthday, Corey Feldman. His birthday is today, I believe. Um, so if you're listening, we're, we, 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 yeah, we've been in talks, we've been in talks. we've been in talks with Corey's camp. <laughs> we've been in talks with Corey's camp for quite, uh, quite a bit to try and get him back. Uh, uh, well, not back. We're trying to get him on the show. Um, yeah, that would be real cool to get him on there. A lot of stuff to talk about. But um, so in that way, yeah, Corey Feldman is fucking Corey Feldman makes Christian Slater look like dog shit that's been sitting in the fucking concrete in the sun for fucking three weeks. You know what I mean? Uh, Corey Feldman, the most handsome dude. My my crush was on Corey Feldman. Uh, The most gorgeous. I'm a straight man, but I can tell you Corey Feldman, the most gorgeous motherfucking dude that ever stepped on this (laughs) earth. The most talented motherfucker there ever was, dude. Um, and it's a shame that he don't get the respect he deserves. What do you have? Uh, what do you got for your next film, buddy?
1: Well, for my next one, I have a film called Feast. Oh shit! I got down with some feast. Yeah, Feast is um, a great horror film. A great uh, over-the-top, blood and guts. What I love about the the movie is it it makes fun of the um, surviving tropes, okay? Which is when they show the initial cast of characters, they're saying, oh, yeah, most likely you die, wild card, all of this uh, and and all that. And, of course, like the person that shows up you think is going to be the hero, he gets killed within, like, the first you know, maybe five to ten minutes of the movie. Mm. And then of course, you know, so your expectations are constantly being switched around about, All right. because when you're watching a film, like a horror film like this, you expect, you automatically think, okay, these are the people that are going to at least live till the end of the movie, and then you can, you know, flip a coin of who's going to die. But when you have like those type of characters die at the very beginning of the movie, that's that's wh- that's where the real fun starts. That's that's what keeps you you know guessing and trying to figure out who's going to end up at the end. And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of funny. It's has a lot of great jokes in it. Um, I definitely recommend checking it out. Feast is is a great ride.
0: Now, what I liked about Feast a lot was. Uh... Around the time that Feast was happened was right around the time that I like was coming into being, wanting to be a filmmaker type deal and attempting to, you know, do, do films. So like, and it was on Project Greenlight, which I don't know if anybody out there remembers Project Greenlight, which was, um, man, it was Affleck, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Chris Cooper maybe, um, or Chris Smith. Um, there was another, a third person, but Project Greenlight was like this reality show where they, it was a contest, so to speak, where they would release, you know, a little bit of a script or whatever. Filmmakers from all over the world would take that script uh, and make a film of it. Now, it was just kind of words or something like that, or it might have been more 48-hour film fest where they just said a few things that needed to be in it. Uh, I forget exactly what the what it was but long story short is you would make a short send it in and if it was good enough they'd bring you onto the show and at that point you're given i think uh you have to work with the team you get a script and then you have to make i believe the short film like a like like a 10 minute short film or something like that i don't think it was a feature length but the winner whoever won the show, like the end of the season, the big thing that you want is that they produced a the feature length film for you. And yeah, the right, that's what it was. There was people trying to be the director's side of it and they would have, it was a competition for them against other directors. And then there was like a writing side to it. And it was a competition of a bunch of writers against each other. I believe um, I haven't watched in a long time. And then like at the end of it, it was the winning writer's, uh, it was whatever that script was where they wrote a script and then the winning director directed it. And that's how Feast came about. Um, and it's a good, it's a good indie film. It's like, uh, uh, John Goolager, I believe, directed it and he did the whole trilogy, uh, Clue Goolager's son. And, um, it's a lot of fun. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he's a very stylistic director. You know, he's got a lot of Sam Raimi type deal with, you know, cool shots, Peter Jackson shots. Um, and, you know, he's kind of, okay, he's got his, his blood's film royalty, you know what I mean? So he's been around it. Um, and it, they did a really good job with it, you know what I mean? I, th- I thought Feast, for what it was, was really good. I think Dimension picked it up. I know it got a ride with that. But uh, it went from, like, almost a reality show deal and it caught, it was it was kind of like something that they didn't know it was going to ride or not. And I believe there's three, if not four, films so I definitely get down with Feast and I own the first one, if not a couple of the sequels. But yeah, Feast was real cool. It's kind of a fun, you know, original, um, artsy, creative, you know, low budget horror movie. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's like one of those, it became, it became kind of a respected trilogy within itself. And it's fun because it's weird that it came, it came from like a reality show aspect, but I know that they got a trilogy art of it and people dig it. You know what I mean? And, um, I know I own one or I, one or two of them, but definitely the first one. And, uh, but I, I may not have seen all of them. If there are four of them, I don't think I got that far. I think I'm mad. Um, I think, I think there's only
1: three of them.
0: Yeah, I think I might have only made it to three. Three might be a stretch. But um,
1: I, yeah. I what I've
0: seen from it, I liked. Sci-Fi Channel might even have gotten involved with that franchise at one point, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, next up is me. Yep. All right, next up for me, uh, a Jonas Ackerlin film. You know what I mean? Teasing, teasing a little bit out there. Um, and what this is quite possibly... One of Mickey Rourke's greatest performances, you know what I mean. Definitely, I would say Jason Schwartzman. You know, this in Rushmore, are probably my favorite things he's done. Um, Liguizamo's in this. this is probably it, right up there. Probably top five films that John's done. John's done a lot of shit that I appreciate. You know, he's one. You don't. Really, he's a comedian too. You don't really hear that much from him anymore. Um, but he was always killing it when he did it. Now, the movie I speak of is Spun. Now, they don't have the unrated version, which I do recommend. If you can get your hands on the unrated version, it's better. Um, you want to see Mickey Rourke at Absolute uh, Madness Mickey Rourke. I think Mickey Rourke in this film gives Nicolas Cage a run for his money in any Nicol- any him doing Nicolas Cage. I'd almost say that. Like this is Mickey Rourke being Mickey Rourke in the sense of Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage, really pushing like what people like to see from him, so to speak. And it's about uh, meth. It's about Mickey Rourke's a meth dealer. Uh Swartzman, and, you know, this whole array of people are uh you know, Swartzman's an addict, a meth head, and then Liguzamo's just like a dealer. But it's like one of those crazy far like Hunter S. Thompson, like Fair and Loathing S type, zaniness twisty, you know, it's like they're trying to capture the experience of being all fucking spun out on map. Um it's got all this crazy madness to it, but there's still heart in it, which is interesting, you know what I mean? Um there's a there's a little segment in there where Mickey Rourke uh the segment there where he's cooking, which is pretty fun, like a cooking show type deal. It's drug, it's a drug movie, so like it's, it's, it crosses the barriers of even in the movie reality and non-reality. You know what I mean? But I remember the best part of it is Mickey Rourke does this like political campaign, um, about pussy or something like that, or ass, about what a great ass is. I think it's about ass. And it's like, that clip should be on TikTok, like that. I don't know why that clip isn't blowing up on TikTok of people all over the world doing holding the camera up and like saying that quote and pretending it's them. It could just be too raunchy. That could be the deal because it's it's madness. But like I said, it's one of those crazy drug movies that are. It's a lot of fun, a lot of style in it. Um, everybody gives their 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 top performances. You know what I mean. And uh, like I said, it's got heart in it. There'll, there'll be a couple little things in it that might touch you in the heart and not just from smoking all that meth again, the heart attack, but you know, something a little emotional might catch you, which is very interesting for a movie like that. But, um, yeah, you'd be surprised, I think. So definitely spun. Like I said, unfortunately, I th- I'm sh- I'm pretty positive that Tubi probably doesn't have the uncut version. And in a movie like this, you know it's so fast paced that like you don't like the fact that commercials come into it really kind of sucks. That's one of those situations where like I don't dig the streaming you know streaming's cool for my for me as a filmmaker standpoint, streaming's cool, of course, the bigger the platform, the more worthy it is to do um but then for me, it just kind of boils down to it's like. Are you giving them a project that you don't mind being interrupted every whenever, like, in that not, you know, hitting this, hitting, you know, fucking with the story and the vibe and the momentum of the project, you know what I mean? Um And I kind of think it does. Like, I think if you're just doing blood and guts and, you know, whatever that, you know, just gore and shit, like quick segments or whatever, I think that, all right, then that works for that. But, like, if you're trying to tell, like, a, Story that you want people to kind of get invested in, I think that's kind of a bad route because those commercials really fucking hurt the pro- the artistic, you know, of the of the project. I know people don't like to hear that, but it's true, and that's kind of my outlook on it. You know what I mean? We have BoomBastic streaming for anybody that wants to stream a BoomBastic film. You got to go to Patreon, BoomBastic streaming. You could get no no commercials. Uninterrupted. That's all there for you. So spun. Go check it out, dude, because it's a lot of fun. Hawkman. I'm sure you didn't see spun, right? No, no, I missed that one. I'm sorry, dude. It's all right. It's definitely a film that I know isn't in your uh, regular repertoire of films (laughs) uh, that you would keep in rotation over there. I think you'd dig it though. If you like, uh, if you like drug movies, like I guess, I guess, like Fear and Loathing's probably that, if you consider like, like Natural Born Killers to kind of have a drug element to it, it does, but like the pacing of that, if you enjoy those type of films, uh, this isn't as violent as that, of course, but it's got the kind of the wild pacing, you know. Natural Born Killers, man, I was listening to that soundtrack recently. That soundtrack is fucking phenomenal. Produced by Trent Reznor. Um every song on there is practically a banger and it's a great array of different stuff. It's it's dark, but it's supposed to be, you know what I mean? And Natural born killers, man, I think that people were turned off by how violent it was. I think they were turned off by how it made them feel. You know what I mean? I think that's one of those movies, Oliver Stone's a master filmmaker, Um, big praise and respect. But I think that it, he did what he wanted to do is make people feel weird about how much that everybody kind of does glamorize, whether you're, you're interested or hating you're putting your throwing all your attention at stuff like that when it's in the room with you you know what i mean it takes that it takes over the room um so i think that like a lot of people like it for that reason it's a you know catch a lot of hate i think it's i think it's a great film yeah it's violent and it's crazy but like sometimes it's going to be that way and um Natural Born Killer is a crazy kind of like, you know, the time, even if it's relevant nowadays too, Um, crazy masterpiece, I feel. I I feel every time I go back and look at it, I go, this is really a masterpiece and ahead of its time fully. And um, yeah, people hate on it though, which is interesting. Not a lot, but... A lot of people love it, but yeah, I always find it crazy when I hear people hating on Natural Bone Killers, but it kind of had the momentum, a little bit of Natural Bone Killers, Spun did. Try and see the uncut, but you know, I guess if you gotta watch it on the tube, if you're living in the tubey world, then definitely put Spun on your to-do list. Mark, what you got? You got another one, or is that wrapped up?
1: Oh, that's wrapped
0: up on my end. Yeah, we're wrapped up too over here, kid. Um I did have um now in, in in my travels I noticed that Southpaw was up there and I just wanted to kinda of mention Southpaw with Gyllenhaal Hall. And I haven't Gyllen Hall's a dude that in his earlier career I didn't get down with him at all, as Alex Sok knows, me and him at beef. Um but there was a weird time after he had Nightcrawler. I liked him so much in Nightcrawler and thought he put he like kinda let himself go to shit so much for Nightcrawler that I seen the dedication, you know what I mean? And I like when kind of people, I like people, like when people do it's the same thing with like, um like the Twilight, the Twilight kid Patterson and uh you know, all of them, even the Harry Potter kid. It's like when they're like, when they're doing the mainstream big success shit. I'm not jiving with it, but when they like kind of fall back into something like that, and if they they pick respectable indie roles, you know what I mean? and uh, things that actually, like, are going to be done right, you know, when, you know, those are the people that when you kind of tell that they do kind of care about where their career is headed, you know what I mean, where it's like, okay, I want to kind of execute, I want to plan this out in a way. You know, Alex knows that I try to plan things out ahead of time as much as possible and stuff like that. I think it's important to do. I think it's kind of good to have a big picture of where you want to be and if certain things open up what you want to fill them up with and what projects you want to go and do, you know what I mean? Collaborative things you want to do and just kind of have a big, big kind of game plan in front of you. And uh, I think that's the case with that, you know, but to be or not to be Alexander the Hawk, that is the question. So with that being said, do you think by the end of this to be worth doing, what worth not doing? What do you think? We got the whole mashup with the, the commercials, man. Those commercials are killers. John Leguizamo Gizamo would be very upset if he had to deal with those fucking commercials. He would never be able to get off of methamphetamines
1: <laughs> if
0: uh, that was the case.
1: Well, I mean, here, here's my opinion, okay? That uh, I understand what you're saying about the commercials, and yeah, the commercials are, are, are quite a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, but the way I see it is with a lot of these films. Yeah. That uh, if you get the the chance to watch them for free, and yet just have to put up with a few of the commercials, I think it's I think it's worth it. I think be is worth checking out because there's a lot of you know like like Matt said this. While it has some classic old films, they have some classic TV series, but they also give an opportunity for a lot of more independent film stuff to be shown and, and the thing is that a lot of people even though you have people who say oh I'm tired of reboots I'm tired of Hollywood doing the same old superhero movie and all that they're also the same people who will drop 50 bucks to go to the theater or, or watch on streaming or something to you know watch that superhero movie even though they just bitched about it like a week ago, okay? Yeah. Um, Trying to get people to watch more independent stuff that is doing something different that is not mainstream or trying to, you know, do a different story or try to do things with different elements to it. Tubi, I think, is the best uh, outlet for us at this time. I mean... And the thing is that we, if if Tubi is willing to, you know, throw uh, money to independent artists to uh, get their their uh, film up there and get it shown, and with you know, you have to deal with the uh, commercials, but you know, the chances of someone to actually watch something that you put up is higher on Tubi, uh, because I mean, Netflix makes it nearly impossible to get your stuff up there. Same thing with a lot of other streaming sites.
0: I, uh, so, yeah,
1: so I think at this point, um, and, and I, I mean, like I said, I mean, yes, there's a lot of stuff on it that isn't that good, but there's a lot of, like, hidden gems, like we talked about. And I think Tubi is, is, is worthwhile for you to try and find. Plus, also, another thing that's great about Tubi is because, most of the movies are like an hour and a half to two hours max, okay? I mean, most films now, they're trying to push it to three hours, four hours, you know, two, two and a half hours. And a lot of times, you just want to watch one movie, you know, have like an hour and a half, enjoy it, and then move on. And most of the two b movies are like an hour and a half to two hours. So you can, you know, just watch it, and uh, then uh, move on. Yeah, I don't. Do you know how much? I don't think there's much money at Tubi. Where'd you hear that people get paid? Well, I don't know, but the chances are you're going to more likely get paid from Tubi than from Netflix. Well, getting on Netflix is uh, you're not going. I mean, if you're an independent artist, you're not getting on Netflix. I mean, <laughs> depending is, what you're, you know, where, where you're depends who's kind of pushing you. Yeah, but but if if you have someone who's pushing you who can get you on Netflix, you're not an independent artist. Well,
0: if you, it's it's more of a like you would sell into a distribution company that's bigger that would be able to put that has a deal with the flicks or something. Yeah, so my deal with Tubi is I don't know. I really don't think uh, money is being made off Tubi uh, for filmmakers. So I don't know if I'd agree with that standpoint of it. But I understand. I, you know, I think you know. I think the best way to almost sum it up is, is as an as an audience member, as somebody that watches movies. To be kind of cool, because you can get these these films, you know, for free. Of course, you know, you have deal with commercials, but for the most part, you don't have to pay for the films. And then the other is the filmmaker aspect of it is, which personally, you know. I, it's not, it's not, I mean, I don't think there could, yeah, I don't think there's fucking, I don't think there's any, any money really being made at Tubi, but if there was for filmmakers, I never hear people ever talking about it. And every time, it almost feels like every time a low budget filmmaker makes a penny off of any of their films, they're they're throwing their check up on Facebook. You know what I mean? So if there was money to be made from Tubi, would be seeing a lot more checks from Tubi. I don't think I've ever seen a check from Tubi get paid out to somebody. So, uh, yeah, that makes, that, that's what makes me feel like it ain't a reality because it would be, if there was Tubi checks floating around, they'd be up, they'd be up and floating around the social needs for sure. Um, so with that being said, it's like it all kind of boils down to the fact of, are you gonna, are you cool with the, whatever project you're giving them? You know, being cut up, being kind of sliced and diced up, you know, and, uh, I think it's one of those things, you know, to be kind of, when you, when you become a big streaming service like that, you need content, you know what I mean? And I think it's just kind of like, I think that they'll kind of put up, I think anybody that kind of goes there and kind of gives, you know, gives up their film, they signs off on it, which I'm always kind of iffy on signing off your film because, It is paperwork at the end of the day, and you really, you really don't own it anymore for however long it is, no matter what it is. And you know, in my opinion, for years on kind of smaller, and it's no shout out, it's no no beef with fucking smaller streaming sites and smaller distribution companies. But I feel like the same effort they put into pushing your product is less than what you would get you would do yourself. I think a lot of the the pushing of the product. And promotion of the product uh, is still left to you, so why not just keep your product, print them up yourself, and kind of do that? Um, in the same way, you know, we—if you need to get a your hands on a bombastic film, you reach out, you get it. And now, streaming-wise, like if you want to stream anything, you can just go right to our streaming service so to speak, you know what I mean? Our Patreon where we have our streaming deal and for a small potato money, less than it would cost for you to, you know, you, you buy one for the price of one movie, you get a whole month of everything that's up there, you know what I mean? Um, that's podcasting and video stuff. So, like, I feel like that's more of a benefit than, like, a Tubi, you know what I mean? But that's just more. Yeah, yeah, there's probably more people watching Tubi, but are they really watching it? Can they really watch it when it's cut up like that? That's just my question. So, with that being said, that's the big question of the universe for everybody. You know, God ponders that as we speak. He goes, is to be or not to be? You know, and I think that at the end of the day, I think everybody. It's the question. That is the question. I think that at the end of the day, I think it, as a viewer, I think to be is, you know, it's not the best, but it, it's free. And as a filmmaker, I mean, it's not the best, but you can talk about it. It's one of those deals. You can say that you're doing it. It's like, you know, like when we, you know, when I, when like when house across the street got put in the Fyes and the WalMarts and stuff, and that was the shit. Like the feeling of being able to go to a store and be like, "Oh, that's my movie," or fucking tell people you want to see my movie. Yeah, next time you're at Wally World or fucking wherever, and you know, pick it up. I understand, like the beautiful pride in that, you know what I mean. So, like, that's the cool—that's the coolness that you get out of Tubi is being able to be like, "Oh, you want to see my movie? It's on. Go look here." You know what I mean with these other movies. And I understand that, you know what I mean. I just think overall, for the overall, you know, I think it kind of cheapens things and it doesn't quite give the films the respect that they might uh, deserve. But then again, maybe they don't deserve. You know, who's to say? But there's a lot of cool Hollywood films up there mixed with independent films, and I always think that's a good thing. You know what I mean? That's all. No matter how you look at it, that's always a good thing. So I ended on a good note. You know what I mean? So, hallelujah, holla back! Um, this was a glorious episode of the Boombasta cast. Alexander Hawk, I hope you
1: had fun. You know what I mean? I always have fun talking to, with you, by the way.
0: Thank you, sir. Buddy uh, buddy Buttafuoco, always a blast. Uh, glad that you're back from rehabilitation and, uh, you know, strain, uh, staying on the straight and narrow, I hope, as much as you can. Woody, how's things going with you real
1: quick? Well, well things are, are going okay. It was a little tough at times, but, uh, you know, i um, I think uh, I think I finally am uh, getting getting uh, on the right track. I, I feel a lot, a lot better now.
0: Very good to hear. Sometimes times do get tough, and you just gotta roll with the punches, knuckle with the hunches, and roam with the bunches. And I think everything will be all right. So, with that being said, me and Alexander and Buddy Butterfucco will catch y'all on the next episode of the Boombastic Cast G.C.